What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. As the season has come to a finish and the play-in has come to a finish, which was a bad result for the Pacers, even though they weren't in the play-in tournament. Our pick was tied to Phoenix making the playoffs. They, of course, lost the 7-8 playing game and they lost the 9-10 playing game. And Alex, all we kind of felt was pain from there because we should have had like the 15th or 16th pick in this draft. And instead, we've got a chance of having that next year. But um, that's that's not assured either because Cleveland might not play, make the playoffs next year. You never know what happens with injuries and stuff. It's kind of crazy. I was looking at the records. And I'm pretty sure when we made that Levert trade, they were second in the East or they were tied for second in the East. Yeah. And then it was just a complete spiral from there. Well, Levert was terrible for them, right? Like he was, he was often injured. He was, And when he did play, he had a couple of good scoring games. Apart from that, he wasn't very good, which stopped me if you've heard this before. That's pretty much exactly the same experience we had with Levert and the Nets had with Levert. They didn't win any games either. So... It might just be that Karis LeVert isn't a starter on a playoff team. No. Well, I mean, the plan probably was for him to be the sixth man in the long run, but obviously with Sexton, Rubio, and their guards were just demoralized by injuries. And also, you got to keep in mind, Allen missed a lot of time. Yeah. Mobley missed games. So it wasn't the biggest surprise that they dropped, but I really thought they were going to make the playoffs. And it's the difference between four draft picks and three draft picks. I mean, that's a big difference. We've got the fifth best lottery odds. We then have the first pick of the second round and one of the very last picks of the second round. We own the 31st and 58th picks in the draft. Now I can definitely see the team using all three picks in the draft. Um, I mean, I don't expect unless they're blown away by an offer for the 31st pick. That's a pretty coveted pick because it's the first sort of free hit that you have to not sign a guy if it doesn't work out. But get the best guy not drafted in the first round and, and control a little bit less, um, a little bit more and a little bit, have a little bit less salary on your books um, in the, in the coming couple of years. I think you can sign them to like a three year deal with a restricted free agency after that or something to that effect. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting position to be in. We thought we might have two picks in the first round, two picks in the second didn't work out. Um, I, I can't see us trading down that first, pick that we have unless it happens to be you know six or seven and we hate whoever's left over um then maybe we trade out to the late lottery and we get a first next year and we've got our own first cleveland's first and another first to play with um that'd kind of be doomsday scenario for me because we've said it before say it again this is the best chance we've ever had to have a top five pick and if we slipped out of that top sort of four or five you can kind of throw a blanket over the next six or seven guys, which is a bit of a problem, right? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a four-person draft. I mean, we've yep. talked about that a little bit, but even, look, the, the paces won't touch him, I don't think, but Shaden Sharp declaring does impact us a little bit. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, he's he's around the five to 10 range. No one really knows where he's going to go because he didn't play, right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't play a second of basketball at, at Duke, uh, was it? So... Um, I mean, look, who, who knows? Oh, where, where did he go? Sorry, did he go to Duke or no? Uh, was I, it, was you were asking, maybe 
you're asking uh-huh. the wrong dude when it comes to college <laughs> basketball, I must say. Um, I should have been on that one. But I think, yeah, look, if there's – I would – I would have a great deal of difficulty taking a guy. He went to Kentucky, by the way. Yeah, oh, I'd yeah, have a great yeah. deal of difficulty taking a guy who we hadn't seen play for the yeah. entire season, uh, particularly that high in the draft. Um, I think, you know, at least with other players like Joel Embiid, when he was drafted, he was injured, but we saw him a little bit in college so that, you know, he had hype behind him. Um, look, from my perspective, I know that... Uh, the Pacers like Dyson Daniels, so I wouldn't be surprised to see us trade back to try and take him in the late lottery if a team presented us with their own pick in a first next year, and that was an attractive offer. Um, Usman Jeng, who has played down here in Australia, is, um, you know, I've, I've heard Paul George comparisons for him, which I think are ambitious because Paul George is a transcendent talent, but... In terms of body, in terms of skill set, in terms of rawness, um, that's that's potentially an option. Um, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sad if we traded back for a guy with a lot of potential like a Daniels or like a Jeng, uh, if we landed in that six or seven spot and there wasn't a clear guy available. I wouldn't be devastated because I think you could get something for that. I think you could get another first round pick and then you reset next year. That said this is sort of worst case scenario stuff that we're talking about right now, because we need a top three pick. We want a top three pick if we can get it. Cause technically we will not get the fourth pick. It's impossible for us to get the fourth pick. We have to get one of the top three. Uh, Cause you can only jump up into the top three or uh, retain your own position or go down. So it's impossible for us to get the fourth pick with the fifth best odds. Um, so we are shooting for the top three. So the lottery's in about, I think three or four weeks which is just going to be a huge night for the franchise. It's the first time that lottery's ever mattered to us. We were in the late lottery last year, obviously at pick 13, but there was never any chance of that leaping up into the top three. Um, so it's a, it's a transformative time for the franchise and not having that second first round pick is obviously a big blow. I, I want to talk about the season a little bit because we've just wrapped up 82 games of what was probably the toughest paces season that I've watched since becoming a Pacers fan, just in terms of product. Uh, there were a few really good bright spots there, like the winning Golden State uh, with that young squad where all the starters were missing and everyone just kind of stepped up. Kiefer Sykes played well. Dwayne Washington played well. Um, O'Shea Brissett played well. Goga, you know, you name it. All the young guys just went off. Um, you know, there was Isaiah Jackson, obviously. He he showed some bright spots. And then there was, you know, Tyrese Halliburton was just insane in the time that he was a pacer. Um, I, I, I don't think we've had a guard like this because I, I don't see Paul George as a guard. I see him as a forward. I don't think we've had a guard like this, this talented since Reggie. I'll be honest. You agree? Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, he, he has a chance. Very quickly, actually. I mean, you look throughout the history of the Pacers, we haven't really had that many point guards that, yep. that were at that level. I mean, Mark Jackson really was the last guy, wasn't he, that was was averaging what? I think he led the the franchise. I think he has the best assist. Uh, uh, it's like eight, 8.2 game he averaged. Yeah, one he was year. averaging. Was uh, he's you know, so, top 10 all time in terms of career assists. So. Yeah, and you look at Albert and with Indy, he averaged nine and a half assists, right? So he would have beaten Mark Jackson for, for the most assists in a season by a pacer. That's how good he can be. 
Um, I mean, you just got to look at this. Yeah. So, so let's compare his 51 games with Sacramento to his 26 games of Indiana. So effectively he played half the number of games. He went up from 45% and only 46 to 50% from the field. He went up from 80, uh, 84% to 85%. So not really changing at the line. 7.4 assists up to 9.6 assists. 14.3 points up to 17.5 points. Um, rebounds went up slightly. Steals went up slightly. Uh, turnovers also went up from uh, two to three. So that obviously carries a bit of weight, but his assist to turnover, turnover ratio is still around that three mark, which I think is putting him up toward the elite guard category, the lead, elite lead guard category. But I mean, 17 and 10 effectively in his 26 games as a pacer, uh, he's 21. Like he, he, this kid has so much further to go. He should average 20 points a game for the next 10 seasons that he is a professional ball player and he should average around that 10 assists. So you're looking at 20 and 10. You're looking at a, a nightly 20 and 10 from a guy that is yet to even scratch the prime of his career that seems to have the right attitude, the right, you know, motives for wanting Indiana to, to win a title and wants to take a smaller market team to, to a great place and repay the faith. He showed that in Sacramento. Heaven knows why they got rid of him. But, you know, I think, like, is there a better young man to start your restart your franchise with? I mean, the energy is contagious, right? I yep. mean, you see the way he plays the game. You know, he's a... He's always smiling. He's always laughing. He's <laughs> calling timeouts for the other team. He's, he's doing all that stuff. And that's infectious, right? Like this Pacers team over the last few years has been down. It's been bad chemistry. You know, Levert kind of talked about that last offseason. No one was cheering for each other. Like no one wanted to play with each other really. Whereas now, Halliburton's the guy you want to play with, right? And that's huge, especially, you know, you, as you said, that he's young. So we got years to develop him, years to develop a team around him. And it's easy to build around a guy who wants to pass like he does. Yeah, it's uh, it's very easy. I mean, let's let's talk about what we liked from the season because it's very easy to dwell on what we didn't like. Um, I want to throw some awards at you, some NBA level awards, and I want you to give out the the Pacers winner, and then I'll give out my Pacers winner in that category. We'll start with um, six man of the year. I'm going to call this best bench player for the Pacers. Who do you think was best off the bench in the time that they had this season? Look, Justin's not on the uh, on the episode this week, so I'll be the Lance lover for now. I'll <laughs> give Lance uh, coming off the bench. I mean, it's between him and O'Shea for me, but O'Shea started a lot more, so I'll give it to Lance. Yeah, I mean, Lance played 40 games and only started one. Uh, O'Shea was at... Uh, started around, you know, a third of the games that he played 25 out of 67. So yeah, you can't argue with that. He gave us the spark plug that we needed off the bench. We needed a guy with energy. That first game, the first home game of Lance's was, you know, probably uh, along with that Golden State win, my favorite moment of the year. It's hard to go past a guy scoring, what, 20, 21 points uh, in the first quarter against Brooklyn. So that was, you know, a moment that we'll never forget. And I think, you know, it's, uh, it's a layup. We're not going to win the title next year. We're a building team. You just keep Lance around. You keep selling jerseys. You keep getting the crowd involved. You want to sell tickets. He's at a place in his career where he's not going to take the spotlight from anyone. He's going to give you what he needs, to, what you need. 
He's going to be a veteran. He's going to be respectful. And I think you would do a hell of a lot worse than having a guy like Lance continue to be in your locker room over the next couple of seasons at age 31. Um, For me, honorable mention off the bench, Dwayne Washington Jr. I think he uh, was impressive in in spurts he he's just he's a spark plug like he he has the ability he shot 38 percent from three and you know he he lit it up every now and again like he was exactly the type of shooter off the bench that you want offensively he's a guy who can jump and come on give you one or two three pointers in a quarter and you know kick start your offense so i really like what he what he brings he's only 21 years of age as well um, don't see a lot else to his game other than shooting the long ball, but maybe that's okay. Every team needs a sharp, sharp shooter. So if he's going to be your sharp shooter off the bench, you know, lower level minute guy that just comes in and hits a couple of threes, the paces have, have had guys like that before. CJ Miles springs to mind. Chris Copeland springs to mind as guys that have been asked to play that role uh, as a, a little bit of spark plug. Uh, on offense, uh, we move to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive player of the year on the paces. Um, look, there wasn't a lot to like about our defense post trade deadline because Miles didn't play, and you know we we just we had no defense. I mean, between Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, you know Tristan Thompson for four games, um, <laughs> we had no interior defense whatsoever. Um, so I'm going to give it to Miles Turner. He, he played half the season, 42 games. Uh, he was on pace to lead the league, lead in blocks significantly. He averaged 2.8 blocks per game, uh, 0.7 steals. So he's up towards a steal a game as well. I mean, you know, he improved his rebounding 7.1. So that, you know, not a bad thing. Uh, overall, it's better in his career average. So yeah, look, I think, um, I think Miles is definitely our best defensive player. And he, he, even though he only played half the season, what do you think? I think he was our defensive player of the year. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, look, I'm with you. They're really, it's more of a product you can't even look at anyone else. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Jackson had some good defensive moments, um, but like, yeah, there, there really was no perimeter defense this year. There was no rim protection outside of Miles. And it's crazy. Like, Miles was fifth in total blocks. And as you said, he missed half the season. Unbelievable. So he, he was on he was on pace to have another crazy year. And uh, I mean, look, that that is the reason why I think he'll come back as well. Like there's just no other option, right? Like who else is anchoring your defense? I mean, it, it was like 30. I'm pretty sure we were actually ranked dead last post post deadline. So yeah, I mean, he, he is a guy that you need. Definitely. Uh, rookie of the year. Who was your rookie of the year? 
Uh, Terry Taylor. <laughs> I want to be different. Uh, wow. uh, look, obviously, Duarte was the best. But for me, I, Terry Taylor is maybe the best rebounder I've ever seen. Like, he, he gets – if he gets eight rebounds in a game, four of those are going to be on the offensive Six, end. five. It's unbelievable, he's isn't it? as a guard. Yeah. They list him as a shooting guard. Yeah. And he's out there playing power forward and center. So, look, Duarte was the best player as a rookie, but I just love watching Terry Taylor go out there and hustle every game. I like it. Um, I'm going to give it to Chris Duarte. I think, you know, 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal. Uh, he he did what all rookies do. He started really, really well, and then he started to peter out toward the end of the season and suffered through a few injuries. So I think that's probably more endurance and durability than anything else. That will improve with more pre-seasons and more, um, you know, summers working on his game, focusing on his game. He's still on a rookie deal, so he's going to be really hungry to, to prove that he can get paid at a high level over the next couple of years, and we've got him on the contract for the next three seasons. So... You know, that's, it's a good place to have him in. And I think next year, depending on who we draft, it will be an exercise in understanding if Duarte and Halliburton can be a backcourt of the future together. Um, because, you know, with Duarte turning 25, um, there will come a point at the end of his rookie deal where the Pacers have to understand and accept the fact that they're going to be paying this guy into his 30s Um which is fine because in your early thirties, you're still technically in your prime, but is this going to stick? Is Duarte a guy that you're going to, you know, um, build alongside Tyrese Halliburton? Alternatively, if you draft a Jaden Ivey, can you play Duarte and Ivey and Halliburton and Dwayne Washington low minutes off the bench? Um, You know, there's, there's some interesting questions to answer there, but you know, Duarte showed everything that he needed to, to be, you know, a uh, significant player coming into next season. An honorable mention to Isaiah Jackson. I mean, he was great with the minutes that he had. He's super raw. He's only 20 years old still. Um, He only played in 36 games. He started 15 of those. He averaged eight points and four rebounds, which, you know, I think was significant. And, you know, if we do draft a guard, then it could be the flip side for Isaiah Jackson. Rick Carlisle could have to actually see is Turner Jackson a viable front court for the future? So if you draft a big or you draft a wing, then you could be seeing Halliburton Duarte as a backcourt. If you draft a guard, you might be seeing Turner Jackson as a front court, depending on what we have. And I think to your point earlier, the biggest need this team has to address, whether it be through the draft or whether it be via free agency, has to be a perimeter defender. You have to get a guy who can lock people down because Halliburton plays decent defense, but he's not going to be asked to defend the opposition's best player. Um, and you've seen Gary Payton Jr. And you've seen Patrick Beverly in the playoffs, you know, locking people down and, and playing super good uh, on that side of the ball. So you can have a guy whose sole job it is to, to defend. Um, and we'll, we'll go to MVP. Um, for me, it's, it's a clear Tyrese Halliburton MVP. I mean, he only played after the, the, uh, the all-star break, but, I just, he was the best player on the team by that far. It's not even funny. I mean, can you, the only other argument you can possibly have is, is Demata Sabonis averaging 19 points and 12 rebounds and five assists a game. But like we, we've never seen a guy like Tyrese in Indiana before. We've never seen that combination of uh, youth and passing and scoring and size and, you know, 
he's he's everything you could possibly want, and he's definitely the the most valuable player on the team. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to disagree. I, w- I want to say though, I I did see the tweet the other day that was saying because of you know who was eligible and who wasn't, O'Shea led us in every category. True, like total True. points, total rebounds, total blocks, total steals. Like it was everything. It was pretty funny to see. But yeah, look, if if you take into account post trade preacher, like it's Halliburton easily. Has to be. Yeah, I think, look, you and I are driving the O'Shea Brissett bandwagon and we want him to stick around. He's still got another year and about $3 million left on his deal. So, you know, regardless, he's going to be an important tra- uh, important piece for us either on the court or off the court. There would be teams that need a guy with his salary and his skill set as well. So it will be very interesting to see what the Pacers do with all of that because we've got a lot of low salaries right now. We've got a lot of guys that are on... Super low numbers. Halliburton's still in a rookie deal. Duarte, Jackson, Washington. Um, you know, depends what we uh, splash out for Jalen Smith. He's obviously been on low money, but he's about to make probably over $10 million a year. Um, you know, Brissett's on small money as well, and he's contracted next season. Um, so, you know, the only guys that are really making money are Brogdon, Turner, Heald, um, and TJ McConnell uh, on this cap sheet. Uh, but having said that, I can't see all four of those guys sticking around. You know, we're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon. It's going to happen. Um, it's inevitable. Uh, I just don't know what we're going to get back, but um, interesting that, you know, we talked about Westbrook on the last show and then all of a sudden a Westbrook rumor catches fire <laughs> with the paces. Um, oh you know, I don't think they'll do it. I don't particularly want them to do it. Last time I, I, push for the fact that we could get a couple of unprotected first round picks and maybe a pick swap. And that's how you get it done. But, you know, it shows me that you could potentially downgrade that roster spot in terms of trading Brogdon for a lesser player and get more draft capital back. Yeah. I mean, in in regards to the Westbrook situation, more than anything, you just don't want to hold to Halliburton and his growth at all. So whether that means, you know, if you make that trade and agree to a buyout or something, can you even Have buy to. out someone of Westbrook's contract if you're Indiana, though? I mean, you, you look at what's going on with John Wall in Houston. They just sat him for a whole year. So maybe you get that, but Westbrook won't sit. Like, he's not that type of guy. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Look, Brogdon, his value is so weird to me. I don't really know how to gauge it because when he's on the court, he's good, right? Like, yep. he's 25-5 and five on decent shooting, pretty good defense, right? Like, he can guard multiple positions. He's slow, obviously, but... He misses 30% of the games. So it's just so hard to gauge his value and what you could actually get for him. He can help almost every playoff team. I mean, in some yeah. capacity. Like yeah. if if you're I a playoff the Knicks, team... The Knicks and the Hornets, yeah. if, they're, if they're looking to trade their first this year, maybe those are two teams that could use him. That's right. I mean, the Hornets, both of those teams will have late lottery picks and I would be over the moon with getting another late lottery pick and trading away Malcolm Brogdon. If either of those teams have space to be able to absorb his salary without taking back long-term money on the Pacers end, then you entertain that every day because you don't see Malcolm Brogdon as part of your longer-term plans. And you have to build everything around Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, Malcolm Brogdon cannot be the future of this team anymore. I think we've been pretty clear on that all season. We've been alluding to it. Um, But if you can walk away with the 10th pick, the 12th pick from this draft um, and either turn that into more assets or alternatively get another couple of young players in, 
or use that pick to go from three to two or three to one. I mean, you have to entertain that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you could say the same about Buddy. I think Buddy Hield is more likely to say, uh, look, his money is seen as a negative to a lot of people, but for the Pacers, I mean, his cap space doesn't hurt us that much. His contract goes down and his shooting is something that we don't really have, right? Like we've never really had that high volume guy. So look, I'm with you. Um, The three of us have said Brogdon's gone. I think Buddy stays. I think Miles stays. I think even Warren comes back. I think Brogdon's the only one out of those group that, that gets traded. Okay, so let's let's say Brogdon goes out. We use all our capital from the Brogdon trade and our lottery pick to move up into the top three and we take a, a Paolo or a Jalen or we take a wing. We take a guy that's going to play play forward, play small forward or power forward. Then you've got Miles Turner, the draft pick, TJ Warren, Tyrese Halliburton, and Buddy Heald as your starting five? Or Chris Duarte? Yeah. Or whoever you trade, <laughs> whoever you trade for. If it's Brogdon in a, you know, you're getting a shooting guard back or they would probably start Duarte in that, that scenario though. Yeah. I, I think the the difficulty for me is you have Duarte and you have Heald that are pretty much fighting for the same position because with TJ Warren coming back into the starting lineup, then both of those guys can stretch the floor you know, Duarte's probably got a little bit more well-rounded skill on defense than Buddy, but Buddy is a flat-out, you know, flamethrower when he wants to be. So, you know, you, you're picking a heavily offensive player versus an all-round guy. And I, I think you've probably got to make a choice sooner rather than later. Buddy Hill didn't like coming off the bench in Sacramento. So will he like coming off the bench in Dallas? Will Is it the best role for Chris Duarte to be the six-man? Because he can do anything. Um, does he want that role? Do the Pacers see him in that role? Uh, so that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how we break up those guard minutes because I do think there's the opportunity here to um, get a couple of different looks and figure out what works and what doesn't. But I I think the other thing that I've seen over the last couple of seasons, I don't know whether you agree with this, but in trying to pair out Turner and Sabonis and make that work, you almost sacrificed you know, the ability to find other lineups that work because you just stuck with to your guns with that particular lineup. So instead of rotating guys out, which with Buddy, with Duarte, with, you know, Jay Nivey, if you got him, you could do because none of them have clear claim to that second guard starting slot. Um, previously, we've been so sort of boxed into our best five players because it's been so clear it's almost better to have a little bit less clarity and have those guys fighting for the starting position. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the competition between your teammates, is there? I mean, makes you play harder. But but for me, I think that, it, like, if they take a Jaden Ivey, I think he's starting. Yeah. Right? Like, I think in that scenario, you have to start a top four pick, especially when you haven't had one, what, since Rick Smith was, <laughs> was taken in the top two. So for Very me... True. Like with Duarte and Buddy, I think that's a clear competition for the two or three spot. Um, but yeah, if they take Ivy, I think that he's the starter. And then, you know, that, that other conversation comes in if you take Jabari Smith or hey, even even your man Chet, you might have to. No, 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 no. He no. can fit with Miles. No. Can he play at the four and Miles the five? No. How dare you? How dare you speak <laughs> that name on this podcast again? 
No, it's it's going to be really interesting. I mean, look, I I have been very strong against Chet over the last few weeks. At some point, I'm going to have to you know give the guys due and say that if the scouts are saying that he's good, then he's probably good. But also, the scout said Hashim the beat was really good, and he wasn't. And the scout said that Michael Oluwakandi Candy was really good, and he wasn't. The scout said that Anthony uh, Edward Anthony Edwards. Anthony Bennett was really good and he wasn't. The scout said that uh, Michael Beasley was really good and he was okay. Um, like I can I can name Wesley Johnson. I can name mm. all these top four picks yeah. that were so highly regarded by scouts. And uh, yeah, sometimes you just think that you've watched enough basketball that you can look a guy look at a guy's highlights and look at how he plays and how he moves and say, I don't I don't really want that guy to play for my team. And that's that I can't. I can't sign off on Chet. Um, next year, the the seven foot four French guy that can move mm. like a guard, though, um, mm. that is something in else entirely. That is Victor Webanyana, I think is his name. <laughs> I've probably butchered that last one. Maybe you can correct me, but he looks ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like can do literally everything. It's like an alien made a basketball player. Seven for four, and I've seen him taking crazy step back threes off the dribble. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's a uh, he's a unicorn. But, but I will say about the Cavs pick that we talked about earlier, that the twenty twenty three class will be much better. So True. if we do get that second first and ours, it's not a bad not a bad consolation prize in my eyes. So if the Cavs can retool properly, build around mm-hmm. Allen, Mobley, Garland, and whoever they get for Sexton and Love, then you know they're a playoff team. Garland is a yep. killer. Allen is an all-star. Mobley is, I still think, the best player in the out of last year's draft. I think he's exceptional. Um, I think they've got a real chance to make a, a strong run over the next couple of years, and I'll be cheering them every step of the way next season so that we get their pick. Uh, we will come to you again before the lottery. We've been the Pacer Roos. We'll see you again next time.